there is no future. Therefore, uh, I want you to swallow almost every word that I'm going to speak this morning. There must be a transgenerational kind of uh, development if there is going to be a future. I have a... I'm waiting for my friend on the other side. Uh, I, will need, I will begin by answering the few questions that some of you may be having. All right. Uh, in case you're, you're asking my background. Why don't you guys over there move so you can see things here. All right. Just in case, in case uh, you may be wondering my background, I wanted to quote that scripture. Uh, the scripture says, "I've been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now it lives in you." Uh, I quoted that scripture so much to show my background because I grew up with my grandmother, and uh, she is the first convert into the Pentecostal church in the 1960s in our nation. And my grandmother, to, to this day, she lives. Can you t t t give us another slide? There she is. Uh, she's my grandmother. Uh, we call her Jaja. Jaja is a, 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 local, a local word that means a, a grandma. Then in the middle, you can see my mother. Then, uh, Dina is my wife on the other side. All right. Can you give us a, a, another slide? There uh, is my grandmother and my mother gathered praying for me. Uh, that was uh, last year, April. They laid hands on me, making some declarations over my life. Uh, therefore, I really see the root of what I am today cannot be separated from what God has been doing uh, in my family. Right? Uh, there, okay, there my grandmother is being taken back home where she stays. Uh, mainly the, the major means of transport locally has to be either a motorcycle or a bicycle. Not everybody owns a car. In, that, in, in, in our environment, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, one day I decided to get a wife. <laughs> and yet, the post says, yet I wish that all men were even as I am myself. But one day, I don't know what happened to me. I thought it's good to marry. <laughs> Though Paul says, encourages men to be like him. <laughs> I married Dina, uh, my wife, in 1997. After the marriage, uh, life was a little bit hard. We began a small stall. Uh, it's like a kiosk, uh, selling some kind of greens. We constructed that in the land that belonged to a Muslim. Now what happened after maybe a month, the Muslim man came and knocked that away. 
without even our notice, without warning it, he kicked every, he knocked it with a truck because he never wanted us to use that space. We lost that. <laughs> in case you want to find out how many children I have in my house, uh, I'm trying to answer some of these questions before I, I even preach. <laughs> I have Grace. Uh, Grace is my firstborn. Hopefully there are arrows that indicate to that. Uh, in case you, <laughs> if you can click yes. <laughs> uh, Grace is my firstborn. She's 14. Then I have the second born, Hope. I have the third born, Andrew. Fourth, uh, that is Timothy. I have Favor. Then I have the last one, Purity. Those are the biological children. Biological. I have three girls, three boys. That's a small number. If you can pray with me, uh, to have 12, like the disciples. And, uh, <laughs> I, I'm, uh, I, in my house, I also have Esther, uh, whom we are fostering in our family. Uh, Esther's father and mother died. Both of them died in the same week. They were witch doctors. Actually, they were uh, beaten by a wild dog. When the father went out in the, the latrine, because uh, most latrines are outside, uh, the wild dog grabbed his private parts. It has never happened. Then in the same night when the, the wife went, the wild dog grabbed her breasts. Both of them died in the same week. Then, Esther was taken to, to stay with uh, an old man. Actually, the old man is the father of my wife. The, the father of my wife, actually, is my pastor. I grew up under his care. Now, we saw that my, the father of my, house, my, my wife is too old. Take care of Esther. We say, let's bring Esther in our house. Esther is staying in our house. Then we have Noah. Noah is also a young man in our house that we are also taking care of. Uh, the father and mother separated. Each one went his own way. And then this should, uh, like, uh, he remained helpless. Then he, since he was coming to our church, we said, you never know what this young man may come, may become. You never know what God has for him. We brought him in our house. That's how small my family is. Uh, <laughs> can you give us? Yes? Now, that is our last born, baby purity. Uh, there, there is a lot, a lot that surrounds that baby. Actually, uh, the way she was born, it was a miraculous kind of birth because my wife and I got involved in a car accident when my wife was seven months pregnant. It was a terrible accident that she broke her arm uh, or the nerves got destroyed. When uh, we went to the doctor to fix that, he put uh, something like a cement on her arm and then she told her, we were told to go back after, after 21 days. By the time we went back, the doctor had not fixed the hand properly and the bones had grown in a wrong direction. Now, that required that uh, a surgery should take place. And her being seven months pregnant, 
we had no technology in Uganda that could uh, help the surgery take place without the baby being killed. Now, she was in a terrible pain. I could only carry her to the bathroom. And then uh, that was the kind of pain he was in. And then the, doc the doctor said, not until she gives birth, that's when we should think about doing the surgery. But she was in a terrible, uh, she was in a terrible pain. We couldn't handle that. Then by the grace of God, uh, I called a friend in Kenya who said there is a technology uh, where they can really, uh, do uh, where, where they can really do the surgery with, uh, without affecting the baby. It was so costly, so costly, so costly. But we thank God it was done. And then uh, finally, after when the time reached, we gave birth to our baby purity, and uh, really like. In case you, uh, you wonder what kind of dresses people uh, wear when they are going for functions like a wedding, uh, like uh, an introduction ceremony, that's how people dress. This is my wife. This, uh, that's all. Okay? Let's try to go. Uh, in 1996, when Bob Ryan came to Uganda, I had just gone to plant a church in a small town called Busembatia, which is 80% Islam, 8%. That's how I looked like uh, during that time. Actually, I had just planted a church. Give us a second slide. Normally, when we begin churches, uh, you have to uh, make some shelters like that. I, it, for three times, that shelter was blown, blown by wind after the, the ants had eaten the termites. <laughs> but the, every time it was it, uh, it was blown off, the Muslims were saying, "Where is your God? Why couldn't your Jesus uh, put a protection?" He said, "Wait and see." <laughs> now, when you talk about Islam, uh, you need to know that wherever Islam exists, there is terror, there is witchcraft and terror go hand in hand wherever you hear of the word Islam. Those go together. Now, that's, uh, that's one of the mosques in our, in our town, but there are so many other mosques in the town targeting that in every area where there is a Christian church, there should be a mosque next to that. Now, when you look at that family, that is one of the pastors who was really, okay, Pastor Omaru and Eva. They, are, she, they have been on the forefront of evangelizing the Muslim community. And guess what happened recently? Can you give us uh, what happened? Uh, as he was coming out of church, they poured a gallon of acid. And when Acid was poured in his, his face. The guy who poured acid on him shouted, Allah Akbar, chanting that their God is great. Now, that's the kind of uh, environment. Whenever the, you, you see Islam and so many things, they are, they are linked to that. Now, there are some victories. Being in that kind of environment, you may have a question. Am I afraid? Do I need a prayer to go to another place? No. 
I know the reason why I'm there. And God has given me signs. <laughs> Are there some victories? Yes. Uh, recently, a Muslim died in the community leaving a will that I should officiate his burial. Now, such a th- I have never heard of such a thing and uh, you all know that you only, you're only responsible for the burial of your own member in the church. Now, they give me a call Sunday morning. I tell, uh, I tell these guys that unless the local leaders call me, I not respond. For a few minutes, I, had, I received a call from uh, the local leader. He's a Muslim telling me, Pastor, it is true. Uh, this guy left a will. You, you're supposed to, uh, to really conduct his burial. After preaching the Sunday morning, I told the, guy, the, the members, guys, can you go with me? They said, yes, we are willing to go with you. We went, uh, preached at the, the funeral. What, is, um, what, what, what amazed everybody is there was a gang in that funeral. Uh, yes, a gang. Whatever. Um, and then uh, these guys are so notorious, even known by police in the community, that nobody touches them. They are confusing everyone there. When I stood out to, pre- to preach, it is as if a silence fell upon everybody. We were there after the burial. We came back. Guess what happens? On the next Sunday, we see a group of seven coming, saying because of what we saw at the burial, we have accepted Christ as Lord, and we want to be part of this church. Now, that's a photo I took as I was praying for them in the Sunday service. The guy you see dressed in a white attire is their leader. He's the guy who led that group. Right? Now, there you see the number has increased. Uh, those are, again, part of the other group. Now, some of their friends are coming slowly by slowly, joining our church. Now, what, is, what, what amazes some, most of these guys don't know how to read or to write. Now, guess what we are doing? We have decided to begin a literacy class for them, teaching them how to read and write in a way of discipling them so they will be able to read even a local Luganda Bible. What else are we doing? We have a school. It's called Mount Zion Education Center. It's not just a school to offer academics, but a school where value-based education is offered. It's like a school on the forefront of transforming the educational sector in our land. In that school, we have uh, 320 uh, children, both from the Muslims and also the other non-Muslim communities. The school is doing a lot affecting the community. Actually, the best child in the national exams was a Muslim who came as a Muslim to our school seven years ago. By the seventh year, he lives as a totally born again. The father and mother are Muslim leaders, the the, the sheikh. But uh, through that school, just creating an environment where uh, a child can get these values was really so important. What else do I have there? Then, what else are we doing? We are doing, uh, we have what we call Seed Africa Foundation for Economic Development. Uh, that kind of, uh, that is an initiative for, uh, for the purpose of bringing self-sustainable development to our people. We are trying to answer the question, 
regardless of how rich the, the soils we have, the environment of the natural resources around, why is it that, again, there is a lot of poverty? We are trying to, to, to find out the answers. Why is it that there is a lot of poverty still back there? Regardless of how much money other governments pour in Africa in terms of grants, does that money help the locals or it, get, it is in between the donors and the, the recipients of the donations? Those are some of the things that we are attacking. We are on the forefront of really breaking the dependence syndrome by bringing the sustainable development. We are doing that through uh, teaching. <laughs> teaching, as you saw, Bob, uh, I want to where, where, where Bob Brown is. Uh, we teach, do the graduation, and then, <laughs> you have been too fast? Ooh. Yeah, can you run? Yeah, back? Where there is Bob Ryan? Yeah, that's what I'm explaining. I'm explaining that uh, uh, Bob Ryan came to join us to teach the Market 70 principles to our class, and then he conducted the graduation. And in this class, actually, what we are doing is we are speaking on issues of development based on the word of God, how to fight poverty, how to bring sustainable development. Is God interested in us depending on any other person? Those are some of the things we are fighting. Actually, what we are fighting is a, is a, a, a huge thing. It's not something small because even the world organizations are behind making our people poor. They only come during a crisis, but they are not there to empower the people to become self-sustaining. Organizations like United Nations, those are, those are actually, people think that because of they are there, they are doing a lot. The truth of the matter is, I'm on the ground when you do research, most of, the, most of what is happening actually is not the answer to what we need. Now, if you ask me, what do you need? At this time, we need people that can come to empower us. Not just give us fish to eat. People who have the skills. Which skills we need. Maybe at the initial stage, we are, like, we are developing a, what we call a CD fund. Because even the microfinance organizations that work in Africa, they are there to exploit people, not to empower them. The interest rate they charge is so high that even when you get, you get a loan from that bank, you will never do anything. You end up, your land being taken, you end up, your house being taken in case you have one. Therefore, we are saying to bring a redemptive culture in the financial sector in our nation, we have to create a CD fund. A CD fund will be like a micro uh, finance where people can get small loans as a revolving fund with almost no interest or very little interest. But these people have to be taught for, the, for their minds to change. That's what we are fighting at the forefront. Right? Yeah, that's what we call the city fund.
I'm, I'm through with that. I've already explained. Then let me do some preaching this morning. <laughs> yeah, let me do some preaching this morning. Uh, let, let's read a scripture. Go ahead, sister. All right. All right. What, what I'm sharing about, uh, you're too fast. <laughs> the secret of getting your inheritance, even if it took 45 years before you get it. That's what I'm speaking about this morning. In case it took 45 years before you see what God promised, what will you do? That's the question each one of you should answer this morning. In case it took 45 years from now, I don't know how, how old you are. But uh, you can accelerate your years. Can you drive your life for, forward 45 years from now? Can you do a scanning? Can you put on your spiritual binoculars that you, you are able to see your life in terms of 45 years from now? In case your dreams, in case your promises have not come to pass. 45 years from now, what will you do? All right. We have a, a gentleman we want to talk about from the scriptures. He's a guy called Caleb. Now the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephne, uh, the Kenazite, and said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, at Kanishbanea about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kaneshbanaya to explore the land and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. Another Bible translation uses the word, I brought back a honest report. But my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, Followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now, you will see that statement followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly three times in the same story. That means it is the heartbeat of Joshua's life, Caleb's life. All right. On that day, Moses saw to me, The land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance. And that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. Same statement being repeated. Now, then just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, eight, five years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day you yourself had then that the, the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I drive them out, just as I said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephne, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, the son of Jephne, the Kenazite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, 
the God of Israel wholeheartedly. Hebron used to be called Kiriath Abba after Abba, who was the greatest man among the Anakites. Then the land had rest from war. Father, we thank you that this word will encourage someone this morning. Uh, it will envision someone this morning in Jesus' name. Um, I, want, I wanted us to get some principles out of Caleb's life. Caleb is saying that I was 40, 40 years when Moses sent me to spy the land. Now I am 85. I was 40. Now I'm 85. That means it has taken 45 years. Now, he's saying, I am as strong as I was the other day. Now, where is the source of his strength? Principle number one. When he went to spy the land, he brought a honest report. Under the leadership of Moses, Caleb proved himself to be honest. When he was sent, the report he brought was so honest, in terms he said, the truth of the matter, there are giants in the land, but we are able to go and conquer the land. The truth is, he saw the giants, but also he knew the promise of God. Now, as a young man listening to me in this house, it doesn't matter whether you see the giants, but your response to what you see determines your entry into the promises of God. There are giants all over. Even where you are working, giants are there. Even at school, giants are there. But what is the promise of God? In the environment where giants are, surround, are surrounding you, will you wholeheartedly follow the Lord? That's what we see in Caleb. Surrounded by giants, he's, he still has capacity to follow God. Principle number two. What we see in him. His brothers melted the hearts of the Israelites by telling them, we are not able. How did he respond? He still followed the Lord even if he was surrounded by brothers 
who melt people's hearts. And let me tell you, you are not immune <laughs> to those people that will melt your heart. You may be seated next to someone after hearing the promise of God about your life, he will melt your heart saying, that can't happen. In case you're surrounded with such people, your fellow students, will you still follow the Lord as Caleb, surrounded by people who have negative reports, who are meriting his heart? He still followed the Lord. God is looking at people who have capacity even when surrounded by negative people, you're able to still follow the Lord. Because following the Lord depends on your context. It depends on what the Lord has put on your heart. There is a general sense of, the, of every Christian but also at individual levels. There are times when the Lord speaks to you to take certain steps, do certain things, and then because of your environment, you say, since nobody is doing what the Lord is telling me, I think it's wrong. He followed the Lord. Then, he furthermore says, I am still strong as the day Moses sent to me. You see unfading strength. It's my prayer this morning that you will be calibrated. That you will have consistency. Pursuit into those things that God has spoken. Even if it takes more 45 years. How do I stay strong? Today is that day where I remember the Pentecost. Jude 20 says, by building yourself up to your uttermost faith as you pray in the Spirit. By you continually praying in the Spirit, it will magnetize your spirit. It will empower you such that you live above the limitations of your life. There should be young men in this house that are saying even if it takes 45 years I will see what God has promised. I'm not giving up. I will pray in the spirit. I will engage the giants until I see the promise of God comes to pass. This is not a season of saying, since it has not worked this year, I think I should give up. No, no way. We must follow to the end. We must pursue God to the end. 
there's going to be a change, even the USA, there should be another level of young men and women that are able to pursue God. With a spirit of saying, even if it tarries, I will trust God to the end. It may not happen in a month's time. It's not, it may not happen in a year's time. It may take time. The question is, will you follow the Lord wholeheartedly? Then, Caleb discerns a season by saying, it is the season. Now give me this hill. Acquisition will be by discernment of the season in which you live. Which discernment will not come not until you're led by the Spirit of God. That's why Simeon is in the temple. Jesus is brought. Then by the Spirit of God he's able to discern, yes! This is the one I've been waiting for. There are many people who are in the temple by that time but they could not discern the season. Now, the same thing I see in Caleb is saying, now give me this mountain. It's my time. I can no longer wait. This is the season. Now, as we speak about Pentecost, one thing I remember. Peter saying, this is what was promised. It is a time of converting prophetic words into actuality. It is a season where those long-held dreams from God are brought into a reality in your life. I don't know exactly which dreams you have been holding in your life. But I'm fully convicted that in this house there are some people that God is saying this is your season. This is your time. That prophetic words over your life are converted into a reality. Some of you have been faithfully following God like Caleb did for 45 years, he, f he followed God wholeheartedly. 45 years until, until time came for him to get into the promises of God. I want to speak this word to Lydia House. God is taking this fellowship into a season of discomfort. It is a season that is bringing more responsibility on your shoulders, which responsibility you have been ignoring. Yeah. 
Now, what I see is that uh, maybe you never wanted to bother yourself with a lot of responsibilities. You want to keep it cool. But the, the truth of the matter is, actually the, the verse that came to my spirit is that as God was saying, the land in which you're entering can no longer be watered as a man watering a vegetable garden with a, a hand, with a can. The land that you're going to is a land that drinks the rain of heaven. Now, the truth is, there is expansion coming to this house, more responsibilities coming over the lives of the people, and then there is divine sustainability. Father, thank you. For it is being said that as it was written, as it was prophesied, thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're hovering over Lydia House this morning. Thank you, God, that you're converting the prophetic into activities in the lives of these people. This Thank you, Lord, for your raising someone. You're pushing someone into his destiny this morning. To those who have been waiting, to those who have been pursuing, to those who have been consistent, be renewed this morning. Be empowered this morning. No more delays. No more delays. Father, we thank you. As you're raising young men and women in this place, with your fire upon their lives, O oh God. With your fire upon their lives, O oh God. Thank you for the new fire that is rising. To those that have been weary, thank you that you're rev reviving them. You're strengthening them, oh God. 
that you're bringing deeper insight into your purposes. As there is a lot of empowerment in this place. There is a lot of empowerment in this place this morning. Father, thank you for causing us to arise above the giants. Thank you for the spirit of honest, a spirit of following the convictions of the Lord upon our lives. Thank you for the unfading strength that we will move from strength to strength. We bless you. We bless you. Stay in prayer. Just stay in an attitude of prayer. If you're next to somebody that knows how to pray, just touch them. Touch their shoulder. Touch their hand. Just let this settle in. That word just struck home into my heart. Some of you have waited. This is your season. Just be, let that settle in. It's a timing, God's prophetic word. There's a reality. There's a waiting and there's a reality. If, If you don't understand that, that's okay. Maybe it's for you for some other time. But some of you, you know it struck your heart and it spoke. There's a timing. There was a timing for Zechariah. He spotted it. Christ was present and he knew it. And so our part is simply to receive it. We don't have to try to make something happen. We just, we can say yes in our heart. We can just say yes. Maybe healing. We've been waiting for a healing. Waiting for direction. Waiting to step in. Step into that new place. Been waiting. We say yes to you. Yes to your moving in our heart. Yes to your good plans within us. Now, as we're in an attitude of prayer, we're just gonna this is gonna become a prayer meeting right now. Don't want to move around right away. We don't want to move yet. Just want to be silent. Now you may sense that you're to pray for somebody next to you. You may feel like you're on the giving end. That's okay. You pray. Maybe you have a prophetic word for someone you're close to. Or you may feel like you're on the receiving end. You're to ask somebody to pray for you. Maybe you feel like you're to do both. So just turn, maybe maybe person right next to you, just turn and uh, ask, can I pray for you or can I receive prayer? Now, some of you may feel like it, it needs to happen with someone else. Maybe, maybe you need to come up, uh, up front and have uh, prayer from someone here, one of us. Um, 
so if if you want to uh, prayer team if you can come up here and be available to pray with people you stay in Terry if you can we understand if, if you have uh, appointments that you need to move to if you have things that you have responsibilities for you're you're welcome uh, to move but if we can do this quietly so that uh, we can be available for prayer take advantage of people that are up here to pray with you or pray with the person next to you turn it we're turning this into a prayer meeting now so just the person next to you being an adult